And I am aware now. Aware now. The official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. Just a spoonful of Tina's comedy helps the uncomfortability of discussing disability go down. Tina Frimmel, who lives with cerebral palsy, is a talented comedian who doesn't avoid the subject of disability. Rather, she dives right in, using humor to harness otherwise hard-to-talk-about topics. She calls it like she sees it, with a delivery about disability that doesn't disappoint. Thank you so much, Tina Frimmel, for joining us here on Aware Now. Appreciate you taking the time to share this space with us. Of course. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. So let's begin this way. Not totally committed to the lifestyle, in your Comedy Central stand-up feature you share, I'm like the bisexuality of ability. Love this, first of all. And uh, second of all, for our readers and listeners, please share more about what you mean here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, calling it, you know, the bisexuality of, of ability is a little bit simplistic and crude, but when I wrote that joke, it was kind of coming from a place that I've been in all my life, a limbo, where um, I have cerebral palsy, um, and also I'm fortunate enough to have a very mild case of it, um, in that I'm only affected in my mouth and my hands and a little bit balanced, um, and therefore <laughs> I've always felt that I was a little bit in limbo. I didn't quite completely, um, relate to much of the disability community um, in that, you know, I I didn't quite have the same need for accommodations and, and you know, I, I personally was self-conscious that I wasn't disabled enough. <laughs> and and, and um, therefore, I, it kind of held me back from um, seeking out friends within the disability community and and so therefore I was always kind of in limbo um, between being disabled and being not disabled and that was going on inside but even on the outside um, having a mild physical outward disability it really affected kind of how people were perceiving me, um, especially in my early 20s. I got mistaken for everything you could ever imagine. Like, you know, people would think I'd been drinking or were on drugs or um, I would be walking down the street and someone would come up and say, you look really tired. Wink, wink, you know, um, or, or just one, one time I was at um, 
at a crosswalk light and this guy with long dreads came up to me and said, Hey, soul sister, you good? You good? <laughs> oh, I'm good, I'm good. Um, and I, I think it's just kind of, it's always been, you know, just a, a weird place to be in, in terms of perception in such a world that people love people feel safe in the black and white to be a little bit in the gray area and, and show that disability is like everything else a spectrum um that that's kind of where i i try and describe it in comedy and the simplest way i could was the bisexuality of, of ability well, it, you did a beautiful job with it, and right away it hit home just so quickly and, like, makes sense. Got it. Um, you know, so in your, in your words, these are your words, comedy became a cool thing. Then it became a hobby. Then it became my life. So in more words of your own, Tina, please share what is it about comedy that made you commit your life to it oh yeah absolutely well before i began comedy i've always been a, a performer and creative and growing up i grew up but literally in in theater in a theater um my my mom worked in a theater box office for 15 years um and my my father uh is a set designer for an opera company um and so growing up kind of i i at first i wanted to be um an actor and and then a little bit later i got really into music and i wanted to be a singer songwriter but both of these other creative ventures it was an upward battle and I, I was really held back by, by what I now understand as this unspoken kind of uh, just there was a lot to be said about the condition that I had and the situation I was in um, and because when you speak on disability without sugarcoating it with comedy because comedy really is a spoonful of sugar mm -hmm. um, it makes people very uncomfortable because it's not only a heavy t a heavy topic but it's in my opinion almost taboo to talk about a disability it's such a universally sensitive tragic phenomenon in the world to a lot of people um and i was just one of them i i could sense that and so because i 
I had this unspoken yet very prevalent difference about me. It came out in a lot of the other creative ventures. I could never, I was trying to be an actor and a musician and I never quite could feel supported or feel like I was good enough. I found comedy accidentally. <laughs> I uh, I attended a stand-up comedy course, a six-week course. I paid $150 for it. <laughs> and it quickly, it was, it quickly became the missing piece that I've been missing all my life. Not only in how it felt coming out and performing, but how I was receiving it. And I was able to really speak on, on my authentic, unfiltered experience as a disabled woman. Um, and I would say about a year in, um, the snowball effect of it was rolling so fast that I, I quickly, I, I became such a different, more free person than I had been a year before, the day before I began comedy. So it was when I realized that I could never really go back to the person that I was before I began comedy that I really realized that this was it. <laughs> I, I actually, I really often compare it to falling in love with someone where there's a little bit of dating, there's a little bit of the dance, and then suddenly it just hits you that they are the one. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what I felt like. Here it is. This is exactly where I was meant to be. That is awesome. Comedy was the one. Uh, you know, so not only do you entertain on the stage, you educate as well just by telling it like it is. In the spotlight, you addressed incorrect assumptions about CP, about disability. Was it always from the start? Was it always your intention to both entertain and educate? You know, no, <laughs> which is so funny. The education part came accidentally. It came completely authentically. Um, and I think the education just comes from sharing my experience and with my experience comes sharing exactly from my point of view um and oftentimes when I get up on stage I love to turn the mirror back on the audience and really really genuinely show them what the kinds of things I see and I hear from people's reactions about seeing a real life disabled person in the world. 
And on, on top of that, one of my favorite reactions to uh, uh, any kind of joke that I have or a bit that I have, every now and then I'll read a comment or I'll, I'll talk to an audience member after a show and they'll, they'll touch upon some element of my experience that I speak on in my comedy and they'll say that never even occurred to me that that would be something you would deal with. That's music to my ears. Um, I think that educating people is simply just really sharing with them exactly how it is. Um, because people are smart <laughs> and, and you don't have to explain why this, why it hurt to hear this or, or what makes this so ironic or inconvenient. Um, people, you know, I, I often in my comedy, I, I share exactly my experience and I leave out the commentary about why you should never say that to someone or, yeah. or, or, um, how as a society we can better adapt to this, uh, kind of accommodation or, or that kind of way of thinking that's um, false. Um, I kind of leave that up to the audience to interpret that. And to be honest, I think that that, that up to interpretation element is what a lot of people love about what I have to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because when you share what you do, authentically as you do, it makes it really clear to your point. Oh, I never thought of that. Oh, I never looked at it that way. You're giving people a whole new lens yeah. to look at life through. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think naturally I get that from, um, you know, my, my own experience watching an incredible documentary or or, um, you know, a film or, or other comics that have a very distinguished experience that I would never otherwise really know. Um, that really kind of eye-opening light bulb moment that you get that's so, I mean, I, I get a lot of pleasure whenever, whenever, my perspective, I can feel it opening up based on just even like a two minute clip that I watch. Um, that that growth, I, I, I adore that feeling. So I think that's kind of what I try um, and, and give to people mm -hmm. while they're laughing, of course. Right, while they're laughing. <laughs> Yeah, I distract them over here. Yes. 
It's the bait and switch. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They'll never even learn them. They'll never even know that they're learning. We'll keep it a secret. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we talked a moment ago about the comfort or non-comfort as it is. Conversations about disability can often be very uncomfortable. So do you feel then that comedy is for you, it seemed to be the answer, the tool that makes addressing disability more comfortable? Or has comedy been, has, has it been uncomfortable sometimes or is it always just so much more comfortable, do you find? Oh gosh, yeah. Well, well like I spoke a bit earlier, it really is a spoonful of sugar <laughs> for the medicine, you know? Um, and oh, well, that song's about to be stuck in my head and your head. And I love everyone watching this right now. Um, but I just, I, about a year before I got into comedy, I was in my final year of college and I took an elective uh, English course in memoir writing. And uh, I will, you know, I, I distinctly remember my professor one day telling us while we were trying to pick the the topic in our life that we wanted to write a mini memoir about. Um, and she, we were kind of examining all the different elements of our life, of our personal life. And I remember that she said, keep in mind, when you're thinking about this, that one thing in your mind, that thing that, that like you really don't want to get into, you don't want to write about, like that thing, that's what you have to write about. Mm -hmm. And that stuck with me so much because that was what brought me to actually write more about my disabled experience that I never, I'd never written before. I kept it all inside um, just because I made people so uncomfortable. I learned from an early age, don't even get into it because people will change the subject. They'll shut down. They'll, you know, they'll distract themselves and you just to not have that conversation. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I wrote this little memoir in this class and it was great. People loved it and I got a good grade. Um, but I remember reading it back and and realizing that it, it felt, it read like a tragedy. Mm -hmm. And that really hit me because I'm not a tragedy. <laughs> I'm just me. <laughs> and um, comedy was really the answer to that for me. It really is the perfect tool to show people that, yes, there is so much about disability that's incredibly unfair and, and unfortunate and yet 
at the end of the day, we're still people and we have so much joy and so much creativity and life. And a, a disabled life is not a stolen life. It's still a life just with an element to it that perhaps a lot of people cannot even imagine. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the ultimate, the ultimate goal in my comedy, even more than, you know, making people laugh and even more than even educating people is just showcasing, you know, a disabled person happy. <laughs> and a disabled person with style and with kind of a lust for life. And that is really authentic to who I am. Well, it's just, again, what you're doing, how you're doing it, I think it's going to wake a lot of people up and make a lot of people feel more comfortable in themselves, um, disabled or not. Um, you know, so comedy is, uh, to your point, again, is all about making a heavy topic feel light. So that said, how do you manage that, that line between keeping things light while also not trivializing the heavy issues regarding disability? Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually the hardest thing that I struggle with. Um, there are a lot of elements that I touch upon in my longer, in my longer sets, which are really, really heavy. I, I have a whole um, part of my show where I go into how I became disabled, um, my traumatic birth, um, and when I was writing that bit and workshopping it, that was perhaps one of the trickiest, most terrifying um, jokes, stories to workshop. Because, I mean, my God, like, traumatic birth is just so on the opposite end of anything that could ever be funny. And that was the that made it a challenge. <laughs> that that made that made me determined because again, much like my professor said, that one thing that like you never like don't go there. That that as a writer, that is where you go. That's exactly where you go. Um and I, I just, when I began comedy, that, that traumatic birth story that I had, that was something that for a long time I, I would, I would never joke about. I don't like to think about all this stuff. And, and so that pushed me to what, what do I, what do I want to say about it? How, what? is there to talk about with it? What is there I could even make funny 
about it. And I know that it was when I began kind of beginning to put that bit in my in my show. I uh, I I did that bit for a cerebral palsy conference, which that's the thing. <laughs> um, I I didn't even know that that was a, a thing until <laughs> until comedy. Um, <laughs> and I did that bit, and I was so nervous. I was so nervous that that even if the jokes were good, and you know. I, 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 I was trying lately. I was walking that line about it, but I was still so nervous that people would not be okay, even with the fact I'm mentioning to my birth within a comedy set. And I remember after a woman coming up to me and saying, "My son had a traumatic birth, and I never." in a million years I thought I would ever laugh at traumatic birth but you just made me laugh so hard and that that was a reassurance I needed not only for that bit but just to continue to walk that line and throughout my whole set I I really go back and forth there are parts of my show that are very heavy and um and in my eyes i i want that to be the case even in a comedy show um because i think so is life is <laughs> this constant flux of the the heavy moments and the moments that just take the air out of your lungs and then suddenly something happens or someone says something that just makes you burst out laughing uh, and there's an irony to it so walking that line it's 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 definitely tricky business and it's something I'm constantly aware of and challenged by um and yeah I think if I were to ever play it safe you know and it, it would that would kind of go against why I do what I do yeah yeah well, thank you for walking that line and walking it so well. I love that you just took the challenge, you recognized the challenge, and you didn't choose to play it safe. You you took it on, and um, yeah, you know. So let's uh, let, let's close this way. Um, you know, there's a big difference, of course, between laughing with someone and laughing at someone. The latter, of course, not being comfortable, unless you're a comedian, when the audience laughs at you, it feels good, of course. Um, but for those who are not on a stage, those who are not trying to entertain, for those who are laughed at because of a difference they have or a dream that they hold, what advice do you have for 
dealing with the haters? How do we do that? You know, it's so funny too, because every now and then I'll get a comment on a video that I post online that will be from a, a hater. <laughs> and um, it will be just some some guy that, that, that and it's always super awkwardly worded. It's them being like, oh, I'm laughing, but not at her jokes. Like, I'm laughing at because she's disabled. Some some kind of iteration of that, <laughs> and and it, it's so odd because, uh, you know, I mean, I, at this point in my career, they can laugh at me, like, I, you know. It, it really doesn't matter. I, I'm there to make people laugh, and and um, <laughs> I know maybe, maybe it's just a a very dumb down way of looking at it, but but because I'm I'm getting people to laugh, I'm so much less affected than I used to be at the idea of people laughing at me because I'm disabled. Um, I think ultimately that's kind of, I mean, the, the, it is where I grew my sense of humor was in school being bullied um, and having people kind of laughing at me and, and what kind of clicks in my head was, well, if people are looking at me, I might as well do a trick. Like, I might as well say something funny, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it was admittedly maybe also a little bit of, of um, uh, self, you know, um, self-security of uh, well, if I say a joke, I guess I don't really know whether or not they're laughing at me or with me. <laughs> right. Um, ultimately, you know, I think if, if I could give kind of advice to anyone looking to pursue a dream with the fear that they're being laughed at. I think, you know, it's never going to not affect you. I, I'm actually not a believer in, in the symbol, like, I'll ignore them. <laughs> Let it roll off your shoulders. We're people, we can't do that. Um, we care about other people, what other people think of us. It's, it's just kind of ingrained with us. But, but I think what I began to develop, the outlook that I began to develop in comedy was, well, if they're laughing at you, that means they're looking at you. <laughs> that means they're paying attention. Um, and I would so much rather that than the opposite, than, than to be 
looked over to be unseen. And it, it really kind of is, as much as I hate to put it like this, it really is a little bit like any attention is good attention. <laughs> Like a kid, like a young, like a toddler, you know? <laughs> but, but there are so many ways that, that I think you can take someone's attention, whether it's negative or positive, and the only control that you have over what someone thinks of you is what you do with the attention that they're giving you. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, they are giving you a gift mm-hmm. <laughs> in the moment. And so with that, do what you do best and and make, make the most of the platform that, that they're giving you moment and I love that point I love that point of you know if they're laughing at you that means that they're looking at you you have something of theirs yeah their attention and then the question becomes as you just said what will you do with it right it's always how you react to it so and in in world more and more these days having a person's attention that is huge. <laughs> There's so many things in the world competing for all of our attention. And, you know, I mean, every time I get someone commenting on a video, just, you know, a, a hater, a, you know, just saying, oh, oh, it's just pity laughs or, um, well, I don't get, I don't get it. <laughs> they took the time to comment that and to think about yeah. that. It's huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the fact that, again, whether positive or negative, the feedback is that you're getting feedback. Like, yeah. uh, you know, you took their attention, you took, and so to affect someone, one way or another, just to know that you did that, that yeah. you are not, that you are seen, that you are heard. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I'm very thankful today for having had the opportunity, the pleasure of hearing you and hearing your story and sharing as authentically and beautifully as you have. So glad we found you, so glad we had this time and just Keep rocking it like you do. And thank you so much for helping all of us become a bit more aware now. Well, thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to to talk to you and to ramble away. Love your ramblings. Thank you. (laughs) Tune into our podcast, subscribe to our magazine, Find us and join us online. Visit IamAwareNow.com. We will no longer wait for permission to change the world. Together, we are aware now.